0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode thirty-five of Added Time of Games and Craps Studio Podcast. Not much has gone on, has it really in the last couple of weeks. It's been quite quiet, I would say. Yeah. What a crazy weekend. What a crazy, crazy weekend. And there seems like there's only really one place to start, and that is with the news of two managers being sacked. Over the weekend. So first up we had Brendan Rodgers who was sacked Sunday lunchtime-ish afternoon. To the surprise of very little people. Those that support Leicester anyway. Um, You've had your usual media people going, oh I think it's a bit harsh, etc, etc. I'm going to do a bit more of a deep dive on the whole Rodgers thing for obvious reasons a bit later on. And the other managerial casualty of the weekend, and this really, really came from from nowhere. Well, I think it came from absolutely nowhere. Graham Potter uh, has been sacked as the Chelsea manager. Seven months after taking the job, he took the job on in September after Thomas Tuchel got sacked. Thomas Tuchel, by the way, is now the new Bayern Munich manager. Um, and yeah, Graham, Graham Potter's gone. And look, a lot has been said over the last sort of 24 hours as to, as to the whole Potter situation. Some are saying that To go from Thomas Tuchel to Graham Potter, it was never going to work. I did a podcast a few weeks ago where I said that I think Graham Potter needs to be given chance. Chelsea need to be patient with him, much like Arsenal were patient with Mikel Arteta and look at where Arsenal are now. He's on a hide into nothing. He was on a hide into nothing at Chelsea because they'd spent so much money in January. They've got too many players. They've had to register... Well, yeah, the registered players, as you have to within the regulations, and it has meant that a number of players aren't eligible for Premier League games and for Champions League games and the like. I don't know whether maybe the higher-ups at Chelsea are looking at a couple of recent results and maybe looking at some of the managers that are currently out there and available and thinking, do you know what, we may have jumped the gun a bit early here and we can get a better calibre of manager. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to Graham Potter, because I do think he is a good manager, a talented manager, but I think Chelsea is probably too big of a club for him right now. And I look at I look at the results that, that Chelsea have had. Now, he's... Lost, I think he's, he's lost 11 games whilst he's been in charge, drawn 8 and won 12. They're still in the Champions League. They're able to turn that around against Dortmund a few weeks back. So they're still in the Champions League. They've got Real Madrid next. Obviously, they went out of the League Cup and the FA Cup quite early, but they did play Man City in both games. So that you have to kind of, I guess, take it at its own merit. Now, at the point where Potter took over, uh, they'd lost two games in the league, but apparently that wasn't good enough. And It was a defeat in the Champions League, actually, that saw the change happen. And for the first five... No, sorry, six... is uh, it five or six? One, two, three, four... In the first five games in charge, he was unbeaten in the league. One, three, drew two. One of those draws was at home to United... Away to Brentford, which, you know, now that the season has progressed, doesn't actually look like too bad of a result. But, you know, wins over West Ham, wins over Chelsea... Uh, sorry, over Crystal Palace, wins over Wolves and Villa. Yeah, looked all good. And then, just before the World Cup, three defeats, including a defeat to his old club, Brighton. And they've come back from the World Cup, and it's been very, very up and down. They win a game, draw a game, lose a couple... Win a game, draw three, lose two, win two, and then what sealed his fate was the two nil defeat at the weekend to Aston Villa. Now I watched that game and I did actually I thought I thought I thought Chelsea were an absolute shambles, but that's not to take away how good Villa were. To be honest, a team who I, I did say maybe on the last podcast that I actually I think. Uh, very much on the up and up and could find themselves in a European spot given what's going on at some of the other clubs around them Chelsea included so I do feel like this is a little bit harsh but again he is on a, a bit of a hide into nothing and if you read uh, the articles from trusted journalists good journalists that have said this has come to a bit of a shock uh, for the players they were surprised by it. But then there's also been reports that when he first came in, some of the players had apparently not heard of him or never heard of him. Which I think is very, very disrespectful. Especially if you are if you've been in and around the Premier League as a player for the last couple of seasons, you should know who Graham Potter is. Whether you are one of these Footballers that loves to study the game and watches every game that's going and watches every highlight package going, or whether one, of, whether you are one of these footballers that it's just a job, and after I've played my match, I don't care to watch or listen to any football. You should know who Graham Potter is. I think that's a little bit disrespectful. You know, he inherited a couple of players that clearly it hasn't really worked, Bammyang being one of them, and let's not forget the money that was spent in January ridiculous amounts of money players coming in that for me weren't his players and I find it interesting that that this has happened as well because the owner Ted Bowley said that we're going to stick with managers we're going to give them time this is a new Chelsea well it's not because Chelsea are now looking for their third manager of the season In terms of names being linked, uh, Nagelsmann, who was sacked from Bayern Munich a couple of weeks ago, is heavily linked. He has also been linked with the Tottenham job, which is still available. Conte's replacement hasn't, um, or there hasn't been a replacement for Conte, should I say, so far. It doesn't look like the will either. Uh, It looks like they're going to have the interim boss in charge, Uh, whose name evades me, he's the guy that's been on the touchline for the for the games where Conte was ill after his operation. Anyway, uh, Zidane has been mentioned, Poch has been mentioned, I think that's a difficult one because obviously it's not out of the question for an ex-Tottenham manager to be a Chelsea manager and vice versa, but I do think that one will be difficult. Luis Enrique has been mentioned. So, there are names out there, but I don't know if it's going to materialise before the end of the season. We've got 10 games left. Chelsea are still in the Champions League. Real Madrid next, like I said. So, not the easiest of, of ties for them, to be honest. So, that's the Chelsea situation. Um, and with these two sackings over the weekend, this is, this is I think is a record now uh, 12 managerial casualties this season um, if you look at if I was to sort of go down the table obviously Spurs have replaced their manager Brighton were forced to re- replace their manager Villa brought in Unai Emery Chelsea have brought in two managers Palace have brought in Roy Hodgson Wolves party company with Bruno Large Everton party company with Lampard, Bournemouth new manager, Leeds new manager, now Leicester looking like a new manager and Southampton as well. So the majority of the clubs, well yeah like I said 12 12 of the 20 have a different manager to when we started the season. And if you want to hear a crazy stat Eric Ten Hag is now the ninth longest serving manager in the Premier League now that Brendan Rodgers uh, has gone, yeah, because he was qu- he was up there, uh, he was right up there behind, behind uh, part uh, Pep and Arteta. In fact, he's probably probably been at Leicester longer than Arteta's been at Arsenal. He has, uh, so yeah. Now that he's gone, you know, it's pushed a load of others right up. You've got Eric Ten Hag, ninth most. Um. Ninth longest serving manager in the Prem. That's man that's mental. That is crazy. I'm gonna go through the results from last weekend and then I want to do my give you my deep dive and give you my thoughts, which you've heard a lot of anyway, with regards to Brendan Rogers and what I think it means for Leicester, what I think the future holds for Leicester. So Man City uh wiped the floor of Liverpool at the weekend four one. Yeah, Liverpool took the lead actually in that game, but Man City they were, were incredible. And actually, I watched that game and I thought that Jack Grealish was was immense. And actually, since the World Cup, his form has been has been fantastic. I think it's eight eight uh, goal contributions, you know, goals and assists combined since the World Cup, which is really good. No Haaland for Man City but it didn't matter uh, and Liverpool's away form is terrible this season. It continues to be terrible. They are still amongst it in terms of Europe but that those Champions League places seem to be getting further and further away on a weekly basis for Liverpool. Bournemouth picked up a surprise win against Fulham. Now, I said a couple of weeks ago when I talked about the Mitrovic incident and obviously with Marco Silva serving a touchline ban, is this going to impact Fulham? Does that mean that the likes of Villa could start to climb the table? Is that going to have an impact on those at the bottom of the table that have still got to play Fulham? And Bournemouth have taken advantage of that and beat Fulham. Bournemouth keep doing this. They keep winning. And I wish they'd stop... (laughs) But fair play to them and credit to them. But they're still in amongst that, that group of teams that is in a, in a relegation scrap. Many are saying the greatest relegation battle ever. Yeah, it's alright you, unless your team's in, involved, you know what I mean? It's, it's not fun. I'm glad you're having fun if you support a team that's not involved. Arsenal keep going from strength to strength and they're now on 72 points. They beat Leeds 4-1, Gabriel Jesus with a hat-trick. Again, Leeds, another team that are down there in that relegation battle, the greatest relegation battle ever. Uh, an absolute ding-dong of a game at, um, at Brighton, we have Brighton three, Brentford three, so two teams that are vying for that Europa League spot. Just serving up an absolute goal fest. We had Crystal Palace to Leicester one, and this sealed Rogers' fate. Ultimately, this is the game. This was was this was one game too too many. Leicester took the lead. Ricardo Pereira with a brilliant, brilliant goal. The for the Palace's first goal was just unfortunate. I thought Daniel Everson from. From listening to the game and from watching sort of extended highlights, made some really, really good saves. And he just looks... He's obviously very... I would say... I was going to say young, but I think he's 25, which I guess in footballers' terms isn't that young. For a goalkeeper, it still can be fairly young. He's new to Premier League football. So... He is still very new. He's still still very green, as they would say, but I thought he made some really good saves, and I think watching him and watching those highlights, you can just see he's got that more confidence and a bit better quality, as Neil Warner would say, a bit better quality than Danny Ward, so I'm glad that everson has been given a chance, and he was really unfortunate with that first goal, the free kick hit the bar, Everson died for it. It hits a bar, it comes down, didn't go over the line, it hit Everson on the arse on his way down way back down from diving and it trickled over the line. And then Leicester couldn't see the game out yet again. So yet again more points dropped from a winning position. And all of this factors into stuff that I've said in the past and I'll talk about a little bit later on. So those that result, amongst others. Uh, has put Leicester into nineteenth, and yes, it's a point from only a point from safety. We've only got ten games left. Forest one, Wolves one. So again, you know that was one where both teams probably aren't happy with the draw, to be honest. And then talked about it a little bit ago. Chelsea nil, Aston Villa two. Thought thought Villa were brilliant, and Emery has done one hell of a job there. So, I keep an eye out for Villa. I do think that they are, they they really they they could get really close to getting into Europe, uh, and might be one to watch for next season. Ollie Watkins with a goal, uh, and he's on fire at the minute. And he's in my fantasy team, which is great. Oh, talking of fantasy team, I'm going off topic a bit here. Oh my god, I. I may have put Ollie Watkins in and he may have scored and got me some points I didn't think Newcastle would keep a clean sheet against Man United so I I put my three Newcastle players on the bench two of which are defenders and one is the goalkeeper shocking absolutely shocking from me that is there we go West Ham with a vital win against Southampton. And this result has meant that many are saying that that is it for Southampton. But I wouldn't say that. They're on 29 games, whereas most of the teams are in that area. There's a few on 28. West Ham are on 27. So they could really, really climb out of it and come clear. But some are saying that, you know, especially with Southampton's goal difference of minus 24, that that is then pretty much done and that to be honest the football is no different to what it was under Harsenhutl from something that I heard on the radio so look it it does mean that Southampton could could go this season Um, that model of bringing through fantastic young players selling them for high a lot of money, getting profit it can only last so long Before it it really fails. And then like I mentioned a second ago. Man United did not score against Newcastle. Newcastle did keep a clean sheet. And they won 2-0. And overall. Newcastle deserved it. But United were very poor. Uh, Poor going, going forward. Very poor defensively as well. And... I wouldn't say there's concern at United. You know, you know what it's like with with Man United people. People get very, 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 very excited. You know, they lose a couple of games and it's oh, they're in crisis. They're in crisis. They're they're not, are they? They're not in crisis. Let's uh, let's be honest about it. Um, they're they're absolutely fine. You know they they obviously want to get top four. They need to get top four, really, uh, if this is to be a season where it feels like real progress. I know that they've won the Carabao Cup. They're still very much in the Europa League, and they're still in the FA Cup. So they could still end the season with three trophies and a Champions League place, and that would be unbelievable. But like I say, there's there's a few people out there that are kind of you know, wondering about United again and blah 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 they've, they've not been great since they won the Carabao Cup in the league hey, I'm sure they'll be fine I still think they've got top 4 and then there's a game going on right now as a record it is Everton against Tottenham come on Tottenham please god I hate saying that uh, it's currently nil nil in that one ok then So it's now time for me to talk about Brendan Rodgers. And it's finally happened. He's parted company with the club. Apparently by mutual consent, that's not how I read the statement. If I'm being honest, from the club, it doesn't feel like that. I doubt that Brendan would have needed his arm twisting too much, all things considered. So I want to rewind right back to February 2019 when Rodgers is appointed and he felt like the perfect manager for that squad. Previously we had Claude Puel in charge. The football was crap, it was boring and made me not want to go the football. It was that bad. And I've said this a million times. I've watched Leicester play in League One. But Claude Puel made me... Fall out of love with with watching football and watching Leicester because it was so bad. Rogers came in and although you know first game was a defeat, which is a uh, something that Rogers has got has, has got. I think he's lost his first game at every club he's ever managed. It was like a breath of fresh air. The press conferences were were different. They were better, obviously than than Claude Puel, and. The football just seemed a bit better, a bit more fluid. And, you know, we saw that season out. And I always maintained that with the squad that Claude Puel had, a better manager could get that team into the top six. I always maintained that. So when all these people that don't watch Leicester, the classic from the outside looking in, I think Powell's doing a great job. Yeah, well you don't have to sit there and watch it, mate. It was crap. And I always maintained that a better calibre of manager would get that team up the table. And that's what happened. We had an unbelievable start to the 1920 season. 7 wins in a row. We were second in the table after 15 games. And he was being linked with the Arsenal job. Emery had gone at this point, and he Rogers was, was the rumour at the time was that Rogers wanted to go and talk to Arsenal. And I think the chairman panicked and said, I tell you what, we'll give you the money. We'll match what Arsenal will likely give you. So Rogers signed a new contract which kept him at the club till 2025 and look I know there's a lot of people out there that were well, Roger's out a lot of people celebrating uh, yesterday when the news broke that Roger's had been sacked but when he signed that contract extension in 2020 uh, to, until 2025 in the December of 2019 there was genuine joy from from Leicester fans And people do forget that. But we were brilliant. Absolutely brilliant that season. Some of the football I saw was some of the best football I've ever seen a Leicester team play. And yes, that does include the 15-16 season where Leicester had a style that wasn't necessarily pretty on the eye, but it it worked. (laughs) Clearly. But unfortunately, Leicester did fall away in that first season under Rodgers, that nineteen twenty season. And when at one point we were genuine title challengers, we end up finishing fifth. Now, without context, Leicester finishing fifth in any Premier League season should be and is a success. But Leicester should have finished fourth that season. And I thought Rodgers got a few things wrong. And we're starting to get a few things wrong at that point. Substitutions weren't great, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then we go into the following season. Obviously, this is um, sort of post-COVID and stuff. Well not post-COVID, 2020, 2020-21 season. Again, started it really strongly, you know, beating Man City 5-2 away in this in the September. Um and I'm reading here, it means that Rodgers is the first manager whose, whose team had scored five goals against a team managed by Pep Guardiola. And we, we, were, we were unbelievable that day. I think we had a couple of penalties. In fact, we may have even had three penalties. But such was the football and such was the fluidity and the movement. Man City just couldn't cope with Vardy. They couldn't cope with the runs coming in from the wingers. And yeah, we just destroyed them. Absolutely destroyed them. We're in the Europa League now. Rogers hasn't got a great record in Europe, to be honest. We were eliminated by Slavia Prague um, after we drew 0-0 at their place and then lost 2-0 at home. And again, you know, in that season, although we'd go and beat Man City 5-2, we'd then go and lose 3-1 at home to Fulham after being 1-0 up. Or lose to Leeds after being in front. And the style of play just wasn't really working. too, Too high up the pitch, trying to press too high up the pitch and just getting done. Just getting completely done. And we became very easy to play against. Again, another... Fifth place finish that season, however, Leicester should have finished fourth. Again, a drop-off, a real drop-off come the end of the season. What papered over the cracks for me that season was obviously the FA Cup win. Now... Leicester winning the FA Cup for Leicester fans was such a big deal. Four times finalists, never won it, which which was which was I guess still is a record. hadn't been in a final since the 60s. And you've literally got generation two two three generations of Leicester fans who have never seen Leicester in an FA Cup semi-final let alone a final. It was the first proper game that I was able to go to since COVID. And from a footballing standpoint, for me, it was right up there with winning the league. Such an unbelievable moment. Now, look, we could all look back on that game and think, well, actually, Leicester got really lucky. The VAR call, the two unbelievable saves from Schmeichel. Tillerman's goal was just wonderful, but look, we won it. And it's in the history books. We won it. But again, we finished fifth when we should have finished fourth in the Premier League. The FA Cup papered over the cracks. But again, without context, Leicester finishing fifth is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And then we get to the twenty. Uh, the 2020-21 season uh, sorry, the 21-22 season and the fragility of some of the players, the mentality the the injuries to some of our players it's starting to show and it's starting to really weaken the side it didn't help that in that pre-season Wesley Fafana got his leg snapped in half In the last friendly before the season starts so Leicester go out and they buy Yannick Vestergaard which (laughs) is quite funny actually because at the time a lot of people said to me oh that's a good signing and actually there was Arsenal fans out there that couldn't believe they'd just paid 50 million for um, Ben White when (laughs) <laughs> when uh, they could have got Leicester for 15 million. But anyway, um, it kind of went against what Leicester have been about. You know, Leicester have always been seen as this model club in terms of buy players that are cheap, but they fit the mould, they fit the philosophy, and then make money on them. You know, find the... Find the diamonds in the rough, to quote Aladdin, um, and make them into superstars. And that's that has been the club's sort of mantra for the last few years. But the signing of Vestergaard and giving a player like that big, big wages. Ryan Bertrand, another example. Okay, he was free. But is he really an 18, 80, 90 grand a week player? Probably not, no. He's not had a chance to prove himself at Leicester. It must be said. And things just started to to go wrong. And then in the February 22, we played Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup. We're the FA Cup holders and we are absolutely destroyed. And Rogers came out that game, after that game, and said there are a number of players at this club who have hit their peak. I need a massive rebuild in the summer. Now, straight away, that rings alarm bells. If you're sat there, you're one of those players, you must be thinking, why the hell am I playing for this manager? He's just absolutely done me, thrown me under the bus. And that was almost like, it was the beginning of the end for uh, Kaglos Ayunchu as well, who has barely been seen this season. And who knows, might get a chance now. But yeah, the cracks started to, to show and... It looked like Brendan was running out of ideas. Now, again, a a decent cup run in the Europa Conference League. Got to the semi-final, lost to Roma. That did paper over the cracks a bit. And we did end up finishing eighth that season. We had a little bit of a surge at the end of the season. Won three or four games. And it really propelled us up the table. But many actually felt that, actually in that summer, Rogers should have gone. And then it comes out that Leicester don't have the funds that they thought they did. Or, the, sorry, the funds that, that Rogers thought that we did. And then we go into the start of this current season with a number of players with one year's left on their contract, a number of players with only two years left on their contract, And other players that are just not wanted by Rodgers. Now, I've heard the argument that, well, he wasn't backed in the summer. The previous season, as I mentioned, Vestergaard, Bertrand, uh, uh, Samare, Daka, all bought under Rodgers, presumably with Rodgers' involvement. Yes, I know we have a director of football and all of that sort of stuff. By the start of this season, he wanted to get rid of them all. Probably not Daka, but Samare was pretty much told he could he could go. Vestergaard the same tried to get rid of Vestergaard. Bertrand injured, and then Daka has been just not been used that much. And you know it's a real shame. I do think he is a he is a good player, but the. The real concerning thing for me was Casper Michael leaving. Now, obviously, these players they can't play forever, and slowly but surely, all of those those players from the title winning team they get older and yeah, they retire, they move on, they go and do different things. So where's Morgan goes? You know, I mean, the likes of Danny Simpson went before that, Okazaki. But then where's Morgan goes, huge voice. But you've got Casper Michael there. And I know Vardy's still there as well. And at the start of the season, Mark Albrighton's still there as well. But you've allowed Casper Michael to go when it turns out he didn't really want to. You've allowed him to go and not replaced him with a number one goalkeeper. Now, I was willing to give Danny Ward... A chance, and after the first few games when we got ap- we were getting absolutely pumped. At the start of the season, I thought, look, just give him a chance. The, the guys barely played any first team football, so give him a chance, and he might he might come good. But it was a huge mistake to let him go, and then it trans it lets Michael go. But it transpires that actually Michael wanted to stay, and. All he did was he went to he went to the manager and said I've been offered this contract to go and play in France however I want to stay at Leicester what can you offer me? And the club took I say take the money, he went for a million barely worth it. So, Wesley Fofana is sold as well, but you can't use all of that money because of FFP and all those various different things. But again, where the club have messed up a bit is giving players huge, huge contracts. Some of them very, some of them deserved better contracts, but maybe not to the point where with the wages that they're currently being paid. And all that has done is it's just made it harder to recruit and bring in new players. Now, there was a bit of a revival just before the World Cup. I think we won six out of seven, only losing to Man City, conceding something like two goals. And the Rogers, cha- Rogers out chance from the early part of the season started to die down. And as we went into the break for for the World Cup things were picking up for Leicester. There were some, some real pleasing results in there. However, I said to people at the time, because I was I was out, I was out watching England USA and I was with uh, with Sonny and I was with uh, Westy, who has been on the podcast, and a couple of others and uh, one of them or a couple of them said, Leicester will be all right now and I said, just don't... Uh, it's not a guarantee there is a long long way to go and then we've come back from the World Cup and again it has been very very poor I mean over over Christmas and New Year four defeats and then 2-2 draw against Brighton, promising. And then we sign a couple of players deadline day. Christiansen comes in. Sutar comes in. Tete comes in. And we score eight goals in two games, beating Villa away and beating Tottenham at home. And there's a little bit of hope. There's a little bit of hope there. You think, okay, this is good. And since then, we have, I say we, Leicester have lost five and drew one including defeats to Southampton and to Chelsea who weren't playing great at the time but there we go and then Pal- and then we go and lose to Palace who are another team around us I mean you look at Southampton they've not won many games this season but they've done the double over Leicester so look in summary I mean in fact no not in summary I've still got a bit more to say <laughs> It's quite clear that Rogers' time was up a while ago. And I actually think that he should have probably gone maybe at the start of the year. Uh when I, I think actually he should have gone. I know we beat Villa and Tottenham after this. For me he should have gone when he um when we lost to Forest away. One of the worst games I've ever I've ever been to. The game itself was was terrible. The day was fantastic, ruined by ninety minutes of football. That's when he should have gone. For me, I understand why the chairman has been loyal because he's not been able to back him. However, I'm not sure I would have trusted Brendan Rodgers with a big pot of money to go and rebuild a team because I don't necessarily think he has a particularly good eye for a player. And this takes me back to sort of when Rodgers came in and what I said at the very start of this long, long discussion about Rodgers is that I always thought that that squad that he inherited at that time was good enough to be a top six team. And that's what happened. So, in many ways, he's taken on a great side. A great side, that's probably an exaggeration. He's taken on a young, hungry team with a sprinkle of experience in there, in a club that are financially stable, and all of that good stuff. And he's walked into that you know that is that is just the dream for any manager I would imagine is to walk into a job like that where all you've got to do is implement your training methods and your and the way that you want to play and pick these players up after they've probably been bored to death by the old manager but then the injuries start to happen and these brilliant young talented players get such bad injuries that they are nowhere near the players that they were. Those injuries have occurred, in my opinion, purely because of the way that Rodgers conducts his training. And that has been mentioned. And it is evident to see, I've said it numerous times this season, Leicester look knackered. Come the 70th minute, 80th minute of every single game, those players look like they are dead on their feet. And I can only put that down to the trading that is done during the week. If you're gonna run these players into the ground in during the week, then they're not gonna see through 90 minutes of Premier League football. So that's where he's responsible. He's also responsible for making strange, strange substitutions. I mean, I take you back to I'm sure it was during it was it was after the restart project restart, so it would have been the 1920 season, I think. Where I did say that obviously Leicester played some fantastic football. Might have been 2021. I can't remember now. We're one nil up at home. Uh, sorry, away to Bournemouth, and we are cruising, and it looks so easy. And he takes and Acho off at half time, and Leicester. And, and he changes the shape and they just looked all over the place and we end up losing the game 4-1 or something. Unbelievable. Uh, League Cup away to Liverpool with 3-1 up with 25 minutes to go in a League Cup it may have even been the quarterfinals. He brings on Bertrand and Vestergaard. we draw 3-3 and we lose on penalties. Start of this season we're 2-0 up against Brentford first game of the season I mean how vital those two points could be now because we end up drawing that game I mean right, those those two points would put us on we'd be on uh, we'd be on 27 so we'd only just be outside but we're 2-0 up at home to Brentford like I said and he takes off Keenan Dewsbury Hall who was having a great game scored in that game as well and we end up, we end up drawing two two. And it's the it's the the inability to see out games to the very end has cost Leicester so many points under Rodgers, not just this season, but the previous season, and maybe even the season before that. It has been the difference between Leicester getting in the Champions League and not getting in the Champions League, which then obviously Champions League football brings a whole new level of income. You imagine, you imagine Leicester being in the Champions League 2 years in a row. What that would have brought to the club and maybe the caliber of player we'd have been able to sign. Instead we end up in the Europa League, which isn't a shit competition by the way. Uh, I wanted us to win it obviously. But it's it's those not seeing out games and dropping and 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 conceding late goals, very much like we did on Saturday against Palace, literally the last kick of the game, that previously has cost Leicester from getting into lucrative European spots, and I fear that this season it'll be the difference between Leicester being a Premier League team and them not. Now look, I think that Brendan Rodgers is a very talented. Manager, I think uh, he will get a good job off the back of this. Strangely, for both the managers that have been sacked this weekend, I don't think it's damaged either of their reputations. I mean, Leicester have immediately been linked with Graham Potter, but apparently he has ruled himself out and he's going to take a break from football, presumably until the summer, and then go again. And as for Rogers, I actually don't think that this damages his reputation too much. And do you know what? I actually think he would be ideal for Tottenham. And I think he would do a very good job at Tottenham. Because much like he did at Leicester, he'll inherit a very good squad of players who have got... You know, there's some really, really talented players in that Tottenham team that just need a bit of picking up. I think the brand of football that Rodgers plays for the most part would excite the Tottenham fans. And you know what? I think for 18 months, two years, he would be very, very good at Tottenham. But then, the likes of Son might move on. Harry Kane might move on. And then he's being trusted to replace Hugo Lloris, replace Harry Kane, replace Son, and I think the same thing would happen again. Because he he would be working for Daniel Levy, whose pockets, although are very deep, he doesn't put his hand in very deep. So look, I think Rodgers has got a lot to... Answer for when it comes to where Leicester are at the moment. But I think there's a number of people at the club that also have got a lot to answer for as well, including the chairman, including the director of football. And my gut feeling is it is too little, too late. I do think that Leicester are going to go down. So. That'll be interesting to see in terms of <laughs> in terms of managers who they get and what that means for certain players. Um, in terms of people being linked with the job, uh, Rafa Benitez has been linked. Um, Jesse Marsh, <laughs> Jesus, uh, Steven Gerrard, no thank you. I've seen Michael Carrick, Vincent Kompany, look. I'm sorry, but Vincent Company is not going to come to Leicester for 10 games when Burnley are pretty much promoted. And it's just not going to happen. And I think the same goes with Carrick. Carrick is not going to leave Middlesbrough when they've got a chance of coming up to come to Leicester for 10 games when actually they're pretty much gone. I say pretty much gone. Look, I'm looking at it from a Leicester fan's point of view. Leicester are one point from safety. Okay? Above them are Leeds, who Leicester have got to play, albeit at Ellen Road. Then Bournemouth are above them. We play Bournemouth this week. Forest, we've already played played twice. Then Everton, who are playing right now, and Leicester have got to play them. I believe we've also got to play West Ham and we've also got to play Wolves. In my opinion, Leicester need 12 points to stay up. I don't know. It is what it is, as they say. And look, I've said this before. I'm not flaky and... It uh, doesn't matter to me what division they play in. But I really don't want to go down to the championship. It's a right slog. It's a right slog. Oh, and just talking about the championship, it's nice to know, as I was reliably informed, it's nice to know that despite the fact that they cover only a few points off the playoffs and are you know, speaking so highly of their manager who has been there for six years and what a great job he's doing and how good their striker is and he is a great striker and Robbins has done a great job it's still nice to know that they're really excited about the fact that Leicester could go down fucking idiots anyway I've spoken enough about Brendan Rogers. Uh, Mike Stowell and Adam Sadler, not Adam Sandler, Adam Sadler are going to take charge of the game tomorrow night against Aston Villa, which is at the King Power. Just before I record the podcast, Sky Sports News uh, reported that Leicester won't necessarily be in a rush to name anyone. They don't have anyone lined up because I think they would have already been named by now. They're going to see what happens over the next couple of games. And I imagine that, let's say, in a world where Leicester pick up six points from the next two, got two home games, Villa and Bournemouth, that maybe Stowell and Sadler stay on until the end of the season and then it gives them all summer to try and find a manager. Don't think they want to be rushed into getting a manager now. But it's not been ruled out that someone comes in on an interim basis and then go again in the summer. You know, so Rafa could come in for ten games, keep us up, here's a massive amount of money, but then in the summer, we're gonna go and get a manager that more fits with what we've been doing at this club for the last four years. Basically, since Rogers has been there. So my final words Brendan Rogers, thank you very much for the FA Cup. Thank you for some of the greatest football I have ever seen a Leicester team play, but your time was up and the right decision has been made, but I think it has been made too late. Oh my God, I talked a lot there and if any of you switched off halfway through, I do not blame you. Right, I'm going to quickly go through the fixtures because we've got midweek fixtures and all sorts of stuff going on this week. Let's have a look. So, I'll cover Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. That takes us up quite nicely. So, we have tomorrow night, we have Bournemouth against Brighton. Uh, God, Bournemouth, it's like they've got no fear at the minute. And... I mean, Brighton are still playing well. They're still fighting, so that's... uh, I'm going to go for a Brighton win just because I need Brighton to win. Leeds Forest, a draw would be nice there for me. Leicester, Villa. Right, I'm going to be positive. Leicester are going to win 2-0. Chelsea, managerless Chelsea, take on Liverpool, whose away form, as I mentioned earlier, is absolutely terrible. I think this is going to be a draw. I think it'll be 2-2. Uh, United against Brentford, United at home. I know Brentford are good, but United at home for me. And then West Ham, Newcastle. Newcastle win on that one. Uh, That noise was made by my mouth, not by any other part of my body, by the way. On to Saturday, United against Everton. Never an easy game. Always a game that Especially at this stage of the season that Everton always seem to get a result up there. Uh, However, it's at home for United. United win. Uh, Villa against Forest. Villa. Brentford, Newcastle. I'm going to go for Newcastle. They look just unbelievable at the minute. That that Carabao Cup defeat did not derail them at all. Fulham, West Ham. I think Fulham are going to start to drop a little bit. Because uh, there's there's a few sort of links as well, obviously with with Marco Silva being linked with the the Spurs job, which I don't see happening. But I actually think West Ham will win this. Leicester against Bournemouth, Leicester win. I'm going for it. Leicester win. It's, it's more out of desperation than anything. Spurs Brighton, hmm. draw. Wolves against Chelsea. I actually think a Wolves win. I'm going to go for a Wolves win. And then Southampton against Man City. Surely a Man City win. Surely. But Southampton, such a weird team. Weird team. And then on to the Sunday. Leeds-Crystal Palace. Huge game down at the bottom of the table. Draw. And then a... Famous Premier League fixture. Always delivers goals. Liverpool-Arsenal. Massive game, actually, for both clubs. Arsenal win. 3-2. Okay. That's enough from me. And if you have made it this far to the podcast, I want to thank you very, very much for sticking with me because I know it has been very... Leicester heavy and I know that I've talked a hell of a lot in the last 50 hours and a lot of it is repetition because I've said most of it before especially particularly where Leicester are concerned and I also just want to say thanks to anyone that uh, has supported me with the podcast and with anything else that I've tried to do regarding added time Uh, I'm not going to be doing YouTube right now uh, i don't feel like it's really working and the time it takes etc it's not really worth it but i'll reassess it again in a few months time and i might start doing video again and yeah i just want to i just want to say a big thank you um it's been a rough few days for me personally hence why there was no podcast last week I, I, I was going to do a podcast last friday didn't happen um yeah i didn't have a great weekend in all honesty it was nothing to do with a football either um but i'm here i'm still here and thank you for anyone that's tried to support me so much appreciated Don't forget to check out Games and Grapp's podcast. The latest episode. Very good. Again, Sonny has dished out two banging episodes of The Clubhouse in the last couple of weeks. See if you agree with him when it comes to his order of of the Rocky films as well. Uh, And also... (laughs) He thought Barry was still in EastEnders. I mean, come on. Everyone knows Janine pushed him off the cliff in 2004. Funny story about Barry from EastEnders. Well, it's not a funny story about him. There's that clip, isn't there, of him singing. We're going to do it anyway. I'm not going to sing. I managed to convince my wife that Barry from EastEnders was singing that at Donald Trump's inauguration. <laughs> anyway, I digress. I digress. Uh, go check out Finn's uh, videos that he's been doing on YouTube as well Um, The Finn Steele over on YouTube has been doing some unboxing videos of Playstation 1's and Playstation 2's they are very good and uh, very entertaining as well and if you're listening to this and you're also involved over the weekend in watching the Wrestlemania pre-shows brought to you by Games and Graps, brought to you by Sonny and Finn and K, of course uh, then thank you very much thanks for supporting us all as for me go check out my socials Twitter Instagram uh, Facebook occasionally as well uh, but give the podcast a like a share it's uh, it all helps and thank you very much for listening my name's Steve stay safe stay well and I'll speak to you next time goodbye